to count us down in five four three two one so is this on <laughs> this theme is so good Definitely top 10 entrance themes of all time. Let's go, Steven. We can't hit the note. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got a scream. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the song, so you gotta sing it. Yeah, I can't scream like that. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. The worst part is that it, the song kind of reminds me of like an angsty teen. Yeah. Okay. If you listen to the lyrics, he's talking about like not listening to the rules. <laughs> so it just reminds me of like an angsty teen. Yeah. I didn't really know what to play because so there was really no song from this movie that I could find. And we also could have played the Foo Fighters. Yeah, we could have. But anyway, just, just Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. Well, well, just just in honor of Triple H announcing his retirement yeah. yesterday, we would just uh, play his uh, his his best theme song. I I, would, I should say. Mm-hmm. That um, the King of Kings, <laughs> or whatever the song's called. Yeah, I, f- I feel like the game just got overplayed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Welcome to episode fifty-nine of Santa Mira After Dark, Jeremy. I'm Steven. And uh, what are we ending uh, Oscar month with, Steven? Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. I don't know why I forgot the name of the movie for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, starring uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, uh, William Defoe, um, um, among others, you know. Um, how, how could I forget? Uh, Tony Collette, one of... Uh, my favorite uh, actress is working today. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, so... And everything so, she does. Definitely. So, um... I, I guess we can kind of just knock this off from the... Well, do you want to do this later, or did you want to do it now, where we're going to uh, predict some of the Oscar winners? we do it at the end. Okay. Um... I mean, I, I still have not made much progress on my Oscar watch list, even though the Oscars yeah. are, are tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to make a guess. But, uh, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. W- what do we think of uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Nightmare Alley? I really love the the whole feel of it. Mm-hmm. I have a. I, I'm conflicted on it because I want to love it. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just. I just like really like it. No. Mm-hmm. Um. It just feels like there are uh, like two great movies in here. That yeah. Are, that are kind of just. Uh, not explored to the uh, to to the fullest potential. Um, I, I feel like we say this about a lot of things nowadays, but I would have would have liked to have seen this like a six episode miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do say that about a lot of things because we're kind of conditioned to bi- to binge watch things nowadays. But it ju- it just feels like it's. Um, like there's a good movie to in the first hour to set up uh this like uh this this carnival with like strange things happening with like this this geek and there's this alcoholic and uh like they're they're tricking people into thinking that they're talking to their dead family members and then it kind of just like stops and then we move on and then it just cuts mm-hmm. to two years later. And then there's this um, other good movie where it's Bradley Cooper's character, um, just like as this uh, con artist. And I, I feel like both of them are, are too short to uh, explore to their full potential. Um, and it's yeah, it, I agree. Just uh, it doesn't work a hundred percent for me. I mean, it, it's still a really good movie, but it, it feels like, especially toward when you when you get like two hours into the movie, it feels like we're just flying through the rest of the plot. Um, yeah. So it's funny. I, I, don't, I also feel like the movie would have benefited from being shorter, but there's also I, a lot of stuff to put in there. I was curious about that. Is the the original version from 1947 is a little bit under two hours. So I was curious as to what they cut out and I like what they added in this new version. But I, I, I kind of just skimmed through the movie mm-hmm. and it seems like it hits the same beats, like in a much better, I mean, not, not, I don't, I don't know if it's better or not, but it feels like it hits all the same beats. Uh, so it, and I'm not sure how that movie flows. I don't know if that goes too fast as well. But it, it's just strange how this movie is this like slow burn character study and then we get to like two hours in and we're just flying through the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, there there are two, two parts in particular where I think that happens. One, when uh, Stan and... Uh, what's her name? Molly. Uh, yeah, Stan and Molly. They leave the carnival... It just cuts to two years later, and Stan is just like this successful, uh, like me- medium, I guess, where he claims mm-hmm. to talk to dead people. Yeah, he can and guess stuff, and it only it cuts to two years later, and he's just successful. 
And then there's this other part where he's talking to um, his, his name's Ezra, the guy who uh, I corrected his name's Ezra, the guy who um, wants to talk to his dead daughter or his dead mm-hmm. girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Um, Ezra tells Stan like, "We've been doing this for weeks, and I, I need my results." And we didn't even see, or else, yeah, we didn't see anything that led up to this happening for the past couple of weeks. It kind of just jumps ahead, and then it's like this has been going on for way too long. Just yeah. those, those two instances, it's like we're kind of just flying through this movie. Um, he should have just ran while he had the chance. Yeah, I don't think he wanted his reputation destroyed once he like just abandoned this uh this rich person yeah that was the idea but i mean i probably would have just ran to him and gave up because i mean how how are you gonna fake that um i was i was curious to see if they did that in the original version and they do that whole story is in the original one where uses molly to um Pretend to be this guy's dead girlfriend. <laughs> um, I was also curious to see how that original one ended, and it ends with the same same thing with him uh, agreeing to become a geek at a uh, at a different carnival. Yeah, um, I didn't see it, but I heard that there's a scene after that where Molly finds him and like tries to break him out. So, because I, I guess back then, like, audiences weren't, um, like, the, the studio thought that audiences weren't ready for such a dark thing for this movie, but. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like, that's my problem with it, is that I feel like it's just two good movies that don't get explored as well as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it looks great. Um. Like uh, one thing that you can depend on from a uh, Guillermo del Toro film is that it will look great, um, and all the actors are doing a a great job. It's just like the fact that there's like two stories going on that that don't uh, explore it as much as I would like them to be uh-huh. is, is my main gripe with it. Um, I don't think this is going to win uh, Best Picture at the Oscars, uh, nor do I think it should. But it it is pretty good. It's just like not what I was not as good as I was hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get Guillermo del Toro at a uh, like a creepy carnival setting. And I didn't rewatch the trailer, but. I remember seeing the trailer in theaters and did you did you get the vibe that this was like a movie with like strange creatures in it? Yeah, it was like a horror movie the whole way through or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely not. Um it's it's more so like a, a, a drama. I don't even think it like there's very little, if any, horror elements in here. Um yeah, IMDb has it listed as a, a crime drama thriller. Which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Much better than what it was marketed as. Remember they did the same thing with Crimson Peak 
uh, like seven years ago or whenever they promoted that as a horror film. And uh-huh. it's kind of like this uh, like love story. <laughs> it's more of a, more of like a romance than than anything. But yeah. his movies know, feel like horror. So they like yeah. try to show it as horror. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I did love The Shape of Water, which is why I had such high hopes for this. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's like the, the Shape of Water is not a horror film, film either. That's like a romance film as well. So he he does keep doing these like films that aren't horror movies, and they constantly just keep getting promoted as these dark horror films, and don't understand why, but. Yeah, and to not. I mean, the, the good thing is, if if this does win Best Picture, hopefully they'll draw more traffic to this episode. But uh, <laughs> I I don't think it will. Um, it was I also wouldn't ba- mind if it did. No, I mean it. Uh, let me see what what else is nominated. Um, of all the movies I've seen, I like this. Better than Don't Look Up and The Power of the Dog. Um, but I do like Dune and Licorice Pizza more than this. That's, mm-hmm. all, that's all I've seen. Or, or five out of the ten. But uh, I but like yeah. White Cat Story better too. I still haven't got around to seeing that. But so um, we can start going through the plot like we do if you're uh, if you're new to the. Uh, podcast what we do is we walk through the story and give give thoughts along the way um yeah. so um and spoilers <laughs> yeah we, we do spoil the entire thing so uh it it starts off with uh bradley cooper's character stan he is uh hiding a dead body in the floorboards which this was an, another part of the story that i thought um was not Explored as well as I thought it could have been in something like a miniseries or something. Yeah, they didn't really say much about that whole arc. I do find out that, uh, like later on, that it was his father who was uh, living in his house, I guess. And I guess his mother left him and he blamed his father for it. And his father was an alcoholic. So um, he pretty much murdered his father and uh, hid the body in, in the floorboards. <laughs> then he proceeds to set the house on fire and uh, yeah. runs away. <laughs> and he kind of just leaves and just burns the house down and goes wherever the road takes him. <laughs> um, he takes a uh, is it a bus or a train? A bus I think. Yeah, um, he does take the um, the the radio from his father, and he takes his watch as well, and uh, those both come into play later when uh, he faces uh, tougher times. Uh-huh. So um, he finds this uh, this like carnival on the last stop, and I. I I'm assuming that him finding the carnival kind of leads back to what the movie says at the, uh, or 
what what his one of his last lines in the movie is where he says he was born to be uh, i mean spoiler we're jumping way ahead but <laughs> he says he was born to be the geek because uh-huh. uh, uh, guillermo del toro said that the movie plays it, it it can play in sort of a circle where he's um like the end of the movie he says he was born to be the geek or whatever can actually be played at the beginning of the movie and then the rest of the movie plays as a flashback. So I think him just like, you know, kind of just traveling wherever the road takes him and then he ends up here. I think that's uh, kind of playing into what uh, he says at the end of the movie where he was, he was born to play this geek. Mm Um, some like strange, uh, like commentary at this, uh, this carnival because they say like um i guess they have like dancers or something and someone's like telling the audience like reenacting forbidden dancers for your education and pleasure <laughs> it's like i'm not sure what these forbidden dances are but it is yeah it's just like some strange something <laughs> yeah something different um, like as he's entering this carnival, uh, we see uh, Rooney Mara's character Molly and William Defoe, who is uh, his name's Clem in this movie. Um, I wish it would have been in it a lot more. Yeah, because yeah, his character's um, like this kind of similar to uh, what Stan becomes, where he's like this con man and he just uses people to his advantage. Uh-huh. Um they have this like um I don't even know what to call it, like this weird display thing where they're they're pretty much showing off this guy feeding on a live chicken. And they call this guy call this guy a geek. And uh, pretty much a, a geek is just like someone who <laughs> who is like under hard times that uh Clem has like taken advantage of. Yeah. And like gave him a home and a place to stay. And we find out later he's like constantly like drugging the geek to kind of uh be okay with what's going on. Like this weird like brainwashing tactic that he does. Mm-hmm. And since we're in 1939, they say that uh, he's um, he's charging not a dollar, not fifty cents, but only a quarter. Watch <laughs> to watch this man feast on a live chicken. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like this bizarre uh, like imagery of this guy like running out and grabbing a chicken, and crowds like fawning over him. It's it's really bizarre. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't bite the chicken. <laughs> I mean, I think that's his only source of food. So I, th- mm. I think that's what they do is that it's like you just starve this man and then you just throw him a chicken and that that's like all he has to eat. Um, yeah, it's it's like strange means of torture, I guess. Yeah. Um, so uh, Stan goes sneaking around the carnival after all of this and. Um, you know, it, I mean, 
so I, I just want to point out this movie's a very slow burn movie of just people kind of doing things that and talking a lot just get them to, from point A to point B. So, I mean, this this episode might be a little bit quicker than most episodes we've done because there's a lot you know, of like random stuff happening with them just talking. Yeah, a lot of just like moseying around and just finding things out. It's like a video game when you're like uh like you're just walking around looking for clues. Yeah. Like the, the very MJ, telltale MJ parts of the Spider-Man game where <laughs> all the action just stops and then you have to just walk around and find stuff. Yeah. But um yeah, so uh, Clem pretty or uh, Clem hires Stan to kind of just like tear down the carnival. I guess is what goes on. Mm-hmm. He, um, he, he like takes stuff down or whatever. Because I don't think they move, but they pack up the tents and stuff. Yeah, that, that's what I thought when I was rewatching it. Is I thought it was a uh, like a traveling carnival where they take stuff down and just move on to the next town. But I guess. They don't. Yeah, that's what I thought until I saw Madame Zena's house. <laughs> She's the only one with a big house. Yeah. <laughs> is, is she like... She can't be like the head of the, the carnival, can she? Doesn't doesn't, Clem... uh, I thought Clem was. Yeah. But... She's the only one with a house. I don't, yeah. know, if, I don't know if it's just because uh, Zena's husband, Pete, is able to con people, so maybe he's... Like, they get special privileges because they're, like, one of the main attractions. Yeah, that could be. Or maybe they were there the longest. Yeah, I, I don't or know. Maybe, maybe they do own it. I don't know. I don't, they never really say. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, Clem pays Stan, and he, like, uh, docks his pay for him watching The Geek. So he, like, docks his pay a quarter. Um, he... Offers him a, because uh, he still has, because Stan still has the radio from the beginning. Um, he offers him five dollars, a hot meal, for his radio. Mm. And um, yeah, so we find mm. out. I, I think right after this is when we find out that, that the geek has gotten loose. Yeah. Because um, I mean, it, it's just this like drugged up man who's like miserable and not having a good time so he he gets loose and like they put out like an old points bulletin to find this drugged up man um probably one of the best looking scenes in the movie I think because uh, it's like Bradley Cooper he goes into this like fun house thing looking for yeah. good for the geek and he's like uh, he like walks through the mouth of the devil and he that 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 spinning tube thing mm-hmm. that um everyone used to pretend to not be able to walk through. I'm just gonna say, remember, we used to pretend we can't get out of it. Yeah, when you're when you're a kid, you just constantly pretend to keep falling. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the and the geek is hiding in this fun this fun house thing. He like, what are you saying? How obnoxious. Geek? No. Trying to pretend you pretend you keep falling in that circle. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah that 
Kids are stupid. And we've um, all done it too, so we can't even say. Oh, I yeah. would never do that. I probably wouldn't do it now. I mean, I wouldn't do it now, but <laughs> I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we actually learned the Stan is like showing some sympathy toward the geek. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if that's because like what might happen in the future, or if it's just like maybe he. Like he's, I think he's able to see through everything and just realize, like, you know, this is just a guy who's being tortured here and fed live chickens. Yeah. Um, the geek just kind of keeps saying, I'm not like this. And he ends up uh, attacking Stan because, I mean, I don't know, I just, maybe he doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't trust anybody. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, so he attacks Stan, and then after that, he runs into Clem. Then he runs uh, back into the room with Stan, and Stan just like attacks this poor guy and just starts like beating his head in. Yeah. And, and the only thing Clem is worried about is that he can't kill the geek because that's like how I make my money. That's an attraction. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, Clem stops Stan from like, killing the geek, and he, like, locks him away, and he kind of just taunts him as he's locking him back in the cage. It's, like, it, yeah. I don't know, it's just very bizarre. Um, in, in the morning, uh, Stan meets uh, Xena, played by uh, Tony Collette, one of our favorite actresses in, in the business today. Yes, and she's been on here before. Not on here, <laughs> actually, but... We've talked about her movies. She's been in before. She's been live in studio. <laughs> yeah, previous episode, Hereditary. Uh, she's probably been in more than that, but... Um, yeah, so... Uh, at, at this point, did, um, did... Did Clem give Stan a job working with her? Is that the idea? I don't know if he got a job working with her yet. Like he just kind of met her. Because I, I, I was taken aback when he just went into her house and just started taking a bath. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like he just met this woman, and <laughs> like I, I thought I missed something where Clem was like, you know, you, you, you've earned the right to uh, work with with Zena because you helped me this geek but <laughs> I, I don't know it, it, it it's just weird because like he goes into this house he meets um Pete, who is her uh, uh who is Zena's husband and uh, I, I think the idea is that uh stan sees a lot of his father in pete because pete is also an alcoholic who is, yeah. uh, who is hurting the uh who's hurting his wife and um, we we get the vibe that uh, you know, uh, Stan and Zena uh, have something going on because of mm-hmm. what happens in the bathtub. Um, yeah, it, it's just bizarre because it's like just in the dining room, you just have a bathtub sitting mm. there. <laughs> Bradley Cooper just strips down, hops in the bathtub, and they just talk casually. Very bizarre. <laughs> 
Um, and uh, Zena reaches in that bathtub and uh, proceeds to uh, do some stuff. Give him the five knuckle shuffle. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so so we cut to uh, an, another. Um, I don't know if it's same day or not, but Xena's um, uh, doing this trick where audience has to like send questions to uh, to her, and then she has to pretend to be able to uh, talk to dead people, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And what what they do is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they send the um, so they put all these questions in a hat. They bring it to the back, they swap it out, and give Xena a fake batch of questions. Yeah, because she has to set them on fire. Yeah. Don't know why, but she does. I think it's just to show that they don't... uh... Because she does read the questions, right? Yeah. But but she's... She's trying to read them telepathically. They have this, like, window in the floor where... Uh, Pete is sitting, and he's like sending signals up to Xena, and that's how they're able to um, get these weird answers to these questions. But um, and he almost ruined it. I think she burns them because she has a line where she says that um, like their their spirits are in the air or something. Or I guess like if you burn them, it just like freeze the spirits or something like that. I forget exactly what she says, but she does make up some dumb excuse to to justify burning it because she's just (laughs) burning like a blank piece of paper. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we find out that Pete is like really drunk under there and he almost ruins the, um, ruins the entire thing. Um, she, uh, Oh yeah, Zena tells the audience that uh, she. Am, am I right in saying this? She she pretends to see this girl's dead brother. Is that what happens? I think yeah. There was some other family member, and then she was thrown off because she only had one sibling alive, and she's okay. like, "Oh, you have a brother too." Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. Um, so that's what threw me off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, uh, is it, uh, like Stan tells Molly or something that he's down there and he's drunk and he's ruining the entire thing. And then mm-hmm. Molly, go- Molly goes underneath the stage to kind of send the right signals up and they kind of, uh, fix what could have went very wrong if you're, uh, if you're sending the yeah. wrong messages. I'm curious as if, or I'm curious to if people actually some type of trickery like this because or I mean if they did like if this is based off of like a real scam that used to happen I'm sure they've done something like it yeah I mean I, I mean I know that there have been scams done like this but I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if this is this is like the actual procedure in which it happens um I would assume yeah, yeah you would think so um. So, uh, I think they go back to Zena's house, and uh, Pete and Zena do this. 
they they do this trick with Stan's watch, and they kind of just tell him like the the watch is important to you, and it belonged to uh, somebody you know. And they like they they kind of just like vaguely say that it belonged to your father. Yeah, and I mean I'm not going to even pretend to understand the the, the trickery that they do. <laughs> to send the signals to each other about this watch, but um, they're they're pretty much able to to convince Stan that what they did was uh, predict that this watch came from his father, and he's had uh, some issues with his father in his life. But um, yeah, they they do explain they they have this cool line where. Um, it says, people are desperate to tell you who they are, desperate to be seen. And it, it's kind of like, you know, if um, if you like vaguely guess what's going on in someone's life, like they'll they'll pretty much confirm it because they they want to be told, like yeah, like they want this medium to uh, guess things about them, you know. I noticed that with a lot of mediums that I've seen. What's that? That would be like a very vague answer. And they start saying, oh yeah, that's my brother or whoever. Yeah, because I mean, you have like a 50-50 shot. Like, yeah. It's a... You don't have to confirm a person or even a gender. It's like, oh, there's a... There's someone with you. I'm sensing then... a presence here. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's what he does later on when he's uh, when Ezra's giving him like the the polygraph test. Yeah, he he I'm just kind of distressed presence here because <laughs> he starts failing the polygraph test, and then he's like, "There's a... <laughs> I'm sensing a presence here." <laughs> um, yeah, so we cut back to uh, Clem and Stan. Um. Clem has this like weird room of just like you know fetuses in in jars, mm-hmm. and I I didn't know if they were real or not. Um, I don't think it's ever stated if they're real. But I think I, at the end it is that very last one that they show because yeah, at the end of the movie because the other guy has one too. Yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, I got that at. A ten and one sale or something like that. So, so you mean like the, so uh, one of Clem's is real, is what you're saying, right? No, I think they were all fake. Okay. Because he had an identical one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's ten of them that exist, or whatever. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. A ten and one. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he, he like yeah he has this weird room of like just dead fetuses and dead cows and whatever in jars, um, and yeah, and that that's kind of just the scene. It, it's it's kind of just more exposition of this strange carnival. Yeah, um, and then he uh, Stan goes to Pete and says he's uh, he's pretty much willing to learn uh, anything that he wants to teach him. So, um, I think it it goes back to that line where people are desperate to be seen, 
right now he's like you know if you can if you can pull these tricks off then so can i um and then it it cuts to uh it's like weird spider girl who's kind of just yelling things at the crowd <laughs> yeah there's um, that and then there was the guy yelling about he could be anybody in a wrestling match <laughs> yeah um yeah there, there's that guy um and then we learned that Molly is she she already does a trick with like electrical currents uh-huh. and then uh later Stan kind of draws up something for her but, but yeah I I liked the guy with the uh uh, I think his name is Bruno, and he's has like a little person, and, and they're like saying how it, it, it's the little guy, right? Who says he could beat anybody? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I never really understood Bruno's um, role in this movie because <laughs> he's just he's really protective over Molly for like no reason. I thought it was going to be her dad, but he wasn't. But, like, all they had to do was say, like, oh, this was, a uh, like, her dad, or she she ran away from home or something and had a bad relationship with her dad, and I've looked over her for ten years. Yeah. That's all you have to do. And then that, that it makes it, <laughs> it makes it make sense that Bruno would have this, like, uh, weird uh, control over Molly. But um, just nothing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So that night we see Stan. He's uh, he's drawing like this new, uh, like electrical chair, and he he hears the geek like screaming, and he ha- he he does have like this weird fascination with the geek, which I thought was uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then um. Um, I like Molly or Stan kind of like has this weird obsession with Molly, but he doesn't really like come out and tell her right away. Cause he's no. he's ar- he's already drawing this like weird trick for her without her even knowing that he's doing it. Oh, well, he's supposed to be with Madame Zena. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> but um. But yeah, so I, I think it's either that night or the next day or something where he finally does kind of talk to her. And he he convinces her already that like you need to run away with me and we need to be like con artists. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you, you just Pretty met much. you just met this girl. Because they he has this line where he says something like, um, like you're the best, or no? I, th- I think she says it. She says that no one here is the best at, at anything, and like they don't belong there because, um, I, I mean, I, I guess like the best con artist should not be working here. I think is the idea. Yeah. And yeah, he he's like dropping hints for her to leave, but she doesn't want to, and it it does this like weird fade out where it only happens twice in this movie but it's like those weird cuts at uh in, in Star Wars episode 1 where the it, circle fade out yeah i feel like that was a tribute to the old movie 
I feel like the old movie would have done that. It probably is, but Star Wars Episode One ruined like those kind of transitions for me because the whole movie is like a PowerPoint presentation where things are just <laughs> swiping all over the screen. Yeah. But um, and I I think that's supposed to like signal a time jump because uh, like once it shows the next scene, like this electric chair thing is already built. And um, they're like, uh, it, it, it's this like whole weird thing where the, the, the little person has to pull the lever to kill Molly. And like, I, I, I guess she's able to withstand the currents and then yeah. they, they bring her back to life, I think is the idea. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's, it's like a very bizarre, uh, like trick to show at a carnival where you're not traveling because like, you can just come back the next day and you'll see the same trick. And it's <laughs> like, obviously she's not dying every single day. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're at a traveling carnival, you can kind of keep up that mirage that mm-hmm. this, this person's dying and surviving because, you know, they, I don't know, it, it would just be much easier to, to do it at a traveling carnival. Yeah. Um, th- there's this funny line where Stan kind of kneels down to uh, the little person and he tells him, don't kneel down to me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. And this is where uh, Bruno kind of gets wind that uh, Stan likes Molly and threatens him for some reason. He doesn't, he's not a fan. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want her to take Molly out away from this carnival and he like I guess doesn't trust Stan with her for some reason. I mean we already said this, but like one line where it's like she ran away from her family ten years ago and I've watched over her since. Yeah. And that's all you need is and it would it would make it make much more sense. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah so we cut tonight um, Molly is on the merry-go-round, and Stan kind of talks to her, and uh, she, she says she had a dream about her dad, and I guess father issues are very prominent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, St- Stan kind of tells her that, like, I have this idea of a two-person act headlining hotels, and we'll be rich. And all this and that. And she uh, pretty much just kind of agrees to run away with him. And, um... <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I... Yeah, just blindly agree. Yeah. Um, like, oh yeah, I'll run away, why not? There's this, uh... Like, right after this, we hear Clem kind of screaming that the geek is dying or something. Uh-huh. And it's it's... It's... Um, it, 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 it's weird because he just like casually mentions like, oh, the, the flies got to the cut in his head. So there's like maggots growing in his brain and <laughs> they just kind of take him to the hospital's front door for like nothing. Like, like yeah. they, just act, they just act like a stuff. They just drop him off. Um, I'm not sure like what the symbolism is, but in the the background, 
of um of this scene there's like a cross and it's supposed oh, to say yeah. i think it's supposed to say jesus saves and the only letters that are written that are are lit up are the ones that say save us mm-hmm. um i wasn't sure if that had any type of uh i mean i'm sure it was deliberate but i'm not sure like who's the one who needs the saving here because it's like everybody they're both just pieces of garbage yeah um pete does have this line earlier where he says um like you can keep up the you can keep up this facade and like keep lying to people but at the end you're gonna have to face god Uh so i don't know if if that's the shut eye (laughs) yeah I don't know if that's the idea of it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So uh, Clem kind of just takes Stan to dinner like it's nothing. <laughs> like, oh, we didn't just drop off a dead person at the hospital. And um, they just kind of act normal. Um, uh-huh. Stan asks him, uh, like, how do you even go about finding a geek? And uh, he explains that he finds people that are like alcoholics and drug addicts and are down on their luck. Um, he he does mention the term nightmare alley because he says like yeah he finds them in nightmare alleys. Um, and the idea is that you lure them in with like a temporary job. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have this job, but it's only temporary until we find ourselves a real geek. And you keep spiking their drinks with a a liquid opioid and you pretty much brainwash them into becoming the geek and then one day you kind of just be like all right well it's time to start uh looking for a real geek and then they'll they'll say something like am i not doing a good enough job Uh and like they kind of they kind of get convinced that what they're doing is uh kind of where they're supposed to be and they just want to keep doing it i guess what a shame. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how accurate this is either. I mean, I mean we, we've seen what circuses and carnivals do to animals. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if they've uh, brainwashed people into doing stuff like this, too. But, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, d- I don't know, because I'm, I'm not sure how accurate the, the geek description is to... Um, like what things actually happened like back in the early 1900s or something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I'm sure it, it's not too far off because it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome where, you know, you get adjusted to like living a crummy life with these people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just, that's just who you are. But, um, yeah. So, um, so, it it cuts again to the some point in the future, and there's now uh, yeah. There's... Time was weird in this movie. Yeah, um, is this a movie where you were watching it and couldn't figure out the time until they said it? Um, no, that was that was tick tick boom. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I was confused with the the time in tick tick boom, even though they mentioned it very mm-hmm. early on that it's 1990 because uh, we covered this when we did 
that episode a couple weeks ago, but what happened in Tick Tick Boom was they were mentioning that people were dying, like half their friends were dead. And I I was oh. like I was like, Oh, they're talking about COVID. <laughs> and then come <laughs> to find out they're talking about the, the AIDS epidemic in the nineties. <laughs> oh, okay. That that might have happened, I don't remember. Um what we do is when there's no one in, in the theater, we just tend to talk. <laughs> yeah. So that might have happened. Um, we saw this. We saw this on like a very cold uh, December night. Um, a night just like tonight, actually. Um, <laughs> it was. And there was uh, nobody in the room. Yeah, there was. It was like ten o'clock at night when we went. Um, I just got my ingrown toenail procedure done, <laughs> and. <laughs> And, setting um, the setting the um the tone. <laughs> yeah, and and that that was uh yeah. So what we do, we did the same thing. We went to see the the cursed a few weeks ago. Um, that no one was no one was at the showing, so we just take it upon ourselves to enter, entertain ourselves and just provide commentary over the movie. Yeah. So that very well might might have happened in this movie, but I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think because there wasn't really a clear time until he says the year when he's getting interviewed, and then yeah. there's some type of article, news article. That that probably did happen then, but <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, like like I said, it cuts to the, to sometime in the future. Uh, there's a new geek. Um, if you look at these actors that portray the geeks. They don't look like geeks. Um, oh, you you saw him? Yeah, I saw on IMDb. I'm looking at Paul Anderson right now, who is uh, not to be confused with the director of Licorice Pizza, but um, yeah, he's he literally looks like a model. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he looks like he would not be feeding off of chickens, but um, yeah, so. Uh, Pete asks uh, Stan to get him some alcohol before he goes to sleep. Uh, we we get like some hints that Pete is like trying to so- sober up, or or at least Cena is trying to convince Pete to sober up, but it's like not happening. No. Um, th- there's one scene where he does convince uh, somebody to buy him alcohol. I'm not sure who it is. It's kind of like in the background where uh, Stan is watching and he sees. Pete convincing someone to buy him alcohol. And so uh, he likes Pete, but he reminds him of his dad, so there's obvious tension. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um Yeah, so when he when he comes back with the alcohol <clears throat> with alcohol, he finds out that Pete is asleep. Um I don't know why Pete is sleeping underneath this stage, but when he has a house. Unless yeah, it's <laughs> They're the only ones here with a house, and he he's sleeping under a stage for some reason. But um, Pete does have this for her. What's that? The house is for her only. Yeah, I guess so. Her and the tub, and whatever um, guests she desires that night. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So Pete has this book that kind of like has all of these secrets in it on how to like read people and whatnot, and. Uh, he starts going through it while Pete's asleep, but he gets caught. 
and uh, Pete kind of just gives him a lecture of, on like saying like, um, like learning, pretty much learning these tricks and tricking people was very dangerous, which we find out later on that it actually yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to believe your own hype. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they show. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they show it here, but uh, Stan is definitely responsible for Pete's death. That we find out because um, in the morning Pete dies. Um, did, did did you notice that they showed anything? Well, earlier on in the movie, Clem tells him that there's moonshine. Then he says. Not to mix it up with the wood alcohol, and that's kept right beside it for some reason. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> oh, okay. And he accidentally gave him wood alcohol instead of moonshine. Okay, I, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, and and that like leads him. But yeah, he's like he's responsible, but see, I thought it was similar to like poisoning the geek, like drugging mm-hmm. the geek, where you put something in the drink. I thought it was one of those situations where you just like poisoned him or something. Oh, no, he didn't actually. He actually didn't mean to kill him. This is uh, reminds me of that incident that happened with our sister when oh, uh, <laughs> when she <laughs> um, so, so for some reason she needed some floor cleaner and she placed it in a bottle of iced tea to trans <laughs> to transport this floor cleaner back home. Yeah, and her five year old son was like, oh. Here's some uh, here's some iced tea, <laughs> but uh, it was floor cleaner and not, <laughs> not iced tea. And I'm I'm only laughing because everything worked out fine. <laughs> yeah, and no one was harmed. It wasn't that bad of a situation. But uh, I remember it was a talk of the town the next day. It was, and I was yeah. like, should I say that it was my nephew or should I just? <laughs> I remember being asked if uh, like why there was an ambulance at my sister's house. <laughs> and and I kind of just was like, oh, her, her son drank floor cleaner. Everything's all right. Yeah. yeah, I remember my friend saying that she gave her kid floor cleaner. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it passed down poorly. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> like, the worst case scenario happens, I guess. So, <laughs> So yeah, anyway, in in the morning, <laughs> uh, Pete dies, and like they get wind of like Zena's having a breakdown in the middle of town. Yes, so we get another beautiful scene of her crying and incomplete, distraught. Yeah, it it's one of those like generic scenes where she's where a character's holding a dead character, yeah. surrounded by a group of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and how I was... want to go. Surrounded. I want to be. I want to be held by somebody, in surrounded by, like twenty people in a circle, <laughs> while the person holding me is just screaming in agony. <laughs> That's how I want to go. That's the best way. Yeah. The best way to be sent off. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the this was their, this was their cue to leave. Yeah, was that the cue to leave the carnival? Um, all the the cops show up. So, um, oh yeah, yeah, they did show up. Yeah, so Clem is worried about them seeing the geek because, like, it is kidnapping and like abuse. 
Yeah. And uh, the cops say they they want to shut them down for cruelty. Uh, Stan kind of just sees the um, sees one of the the deputies' uh, shoes and learns that like there's a lift in his shoe, and he learns that uh, he assumes that the cop had polio. And um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Before that, he kind of puts on a show where he um, he he pretends that all the deputies are in danger from this electrical current. Yeah. And he, he pulls they, they they pull the lever and they they like send all the electrical currents through to Molly, and they act like Molly just saved the lives of all the cops. And then he's able to tell out. To, to figure out that the sheriff had polio and he kind of convinces him that his mother is talking to him. Um, and that was the start. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I don't understand why that convinced the cop to not shut down this strange carnival, but it, it was enough, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. And I guess he's able to tell because like, like I said, the the lift in his shoe made him realize that he had polio. And then, like, I don't know how he's able to figure out that his mother was talking to him. Um, isn't it like a necklace or something? Something like that. And and yeah, that that that's just like you know we're we're not going to shut you down since my mom is talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and that night they're kind of like celebrating that they did not get shut down. And uh, Molly finally tells Stan that she's ready to go with him and do whatever the heck they're going to do. And it sucks that we don't see Clem after that, all that. Like, yeah, the movie. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I figured that the carnival people would come back. They only come back for like, <laughs> a brief period of time. And then they don't really do much. Yeah. And we find out Xena kind of made it big at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because she's in uh, she's in like a, a newspaper article or something that. Uh, yeah, Stan so I'm assuming doing. she has like fortune tellings in the newspaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she even has a TV show. We don't know. No, we don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, All so, we know so- is she made it, and he should have stuck with her. So uh so Bruno finds them together and attacks Stan. Like he gets wind that they're running away. Um the camera focuses on the unborn fetuses for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought I was gonna wake up. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I wouldn't be surprised. And but I didn't. <laughs> Cause this and, is not that uh, kind of movie. No. This and is then, when I was um, still like thinking it was gonna be that kind of movie. I was like, oh, wait, no, it's not going to turn out that way. I mean... Thanks to the trailer. If Guillermo del Toro wants to make, like, a weird circus movie, like, I'm I'm all for it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, a two-hour movie of strange creatures in a circus, and it'd probably be better than this. Yeah, like, American Horror Story Freak Show. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so Molly and Stan end up leaving in the morning, and um, it kind of just fades out. And then uh, 
I already pointed out this issue early on, but then it just cuts to two years later. Mm-hmm. And we learn that uh, Stan is a, a successful medium who's working in these hotels, and Molly is still his assistant. Um, they have like a, they seem to be, ha- be having a rocky relationship now. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause cause she almost messes up one of the the tricks, but then they kind of like fix it. Uh, kind of yeah. similar, kind of similar to the the Pete uh, situation early on when he messed up one of the tricks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he also keeps Pete's book. Yeah, because did he Zena take said it? That, yeah, Zena said that he earned it. Yeah. Okay. And she didn't really need it anyways. She becomes successful without it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we see that uh, her name's Lilith Ritter, played by uh, the great uh, Kate Blanchett. Um, she is... She's on, been on the podcast before, too. Is she? I think, wasn't she in Contagion? Um, or is that somebody else? That was... Uh, I, I can't think of her name. Was that a different Kate? Kate? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a different Kate. Oh, maybe she hasn't um, been on here before. I don't think she has. Oh, no, she she's in Don't Look Up. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, she has been on here before. Yeah, so she has. Um, she's also doing the voice in uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio movie. Mm-hmm. Voice in that. That's, apparently, he's, he's been working on for 10 years. Over 10 years, the stop-motion Pinocchio film. And then Disney had the nerve to release their animated Pinocchio film this year, too. So <laughs> I know. I noticed that. Because I got so, it mixed up. <laughs> yeah, so there are actually two Pinocchio films coming out this year, believe it or not. I refuse to watch a Disney one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... So, so yeah, uh, she's... The, this Lilith Ritter lady is at this... Uh, this uh, psychic show that he's doing. Um, she kind of takes the show over for herself. Attempts to expose him. Yeah, because she's like aware that this is like a... That he's a fraud and like... I mean, no one's really a psychic, so he knows what's going on. Um, or she knows what's going on, I should say. But, yeah. um, <clears throat> so she won't let uh, Molly hold anything to give these signals to... Uh, to stand. Unless she um, flat accuses him of using signals too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she says something like, you guys aren't going to use coded words or whatever. So, mm-hmm. Not on me. Not today. <laughs> but uh, Stan actually handles it very well. And he's like, he's like, all right, you got a pistol in your bag and it has a, a gray handle and all this. So he's, you know, he's, he handles it very well. He just had to take it way too far. What do you mean? Because he started accusing her, oh, you wanted to use that pistol on yourself? And oh, <laughs> he's oh, like, yeah. berating her, which we find out comes back to bite him mm-hmm. later on. And is it is it Charles that's sitting next to her? Was it that judge? Is that his name? Uh, Judge Judge Charles Kimball is sitting yeah. next, next to uh, next to her, but yeah, um, I actually did not make that connection that she uses that gun on him later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
Yeah, he berates her. He he talks to the judge next to next to her and is like, um, he's like convincing him that someone they lost is next next to them. Yeah, and then, and then just to like get out of the situation, he just pretends to faint. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dramatic. Yeah. Um. I watched this guy, the, these guys on YouTube called uh, Dads Against Predators, where they, they pretend to be like teenagers on dating apps and they uh-huh. like, meet up with these adults and like raid them and whatever. Uh-huh. And it reminded me of this one guy where he thought he was talking to like a, a 12 year old girl, and then these adult males showed up to film him and expose him, and he just pretended to faint in a family dollar. Because <laughs> he's has, been caught. Yeah, it just reminded me of that. <laughs> um, but when in doubt, just faint, and then everything will go away. It it did not go away. Hopefully that guy's <laughs> in, hopefully that guy's in prison right now. But yeah, as he should be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but apparently everybody thinks if you faint, then all is good, and you get away with everything. They're like, oh, he's sick. <laughs> let me let me back up away <laughs> from him. And it's like if if you if 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 you're trying to meet a kid online and then you you faint, I'm just gonna hope that the worst happens to you. Then, yeah, be like, oh, you're having a heart attack. Good. Like I'm just gonna walk away and call the police. Yeah. But anyway, back to Nightmare Alley. Um, we learned that uh, the, the judge wants to do a. Uh... Hold on a second. If if you see me on the, the video doing this, um, what I always do when the mail comes when we're recording, I mute the microphone and then you see me turn away and yell upstairs at my dogs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so Charles wants to do like a private consultation. He wants to all... perform the seance because he's the one with the son, right? His son died in war. Yes. Um. Yeah, and Molly is like, we don't do private consultations. And then uh, Stan is kind of like, well, we, we have them. <laughs> if we're getting paid enough, we, we, we do them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, I have a hard time saying this name. Lilith Ritter comes uh, backstage and talks to... Uh, or no, 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 that's not what happened. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was, I said a name for nothing. It was the judge who came back to talk to Stan about doing the private consultation. And yeah, I think Lilith was just in the room. But what I had in my notes is that uh, Stan goes to meet with uh, Mrs. Ritter, is what I'm going to call her. <laughs> um, is she like, did he have her there to like test him to find out if he was real? Because he knew she would do it. Um, what, what do you mean? Did did Ritter have the judge with him, with her? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, did he have her with him to find out if he was a fraud or not? Oh, I because I feel like yeah, they said that. Yeah, I was wondering that too, because I feel like uh, that was something that was said, but I also don't want to make that up. 
because Ritter <laughs> Ritter is a therapist. And I'm assuming and... the judge is one of her um, clients. Yeah, because he because uh, Stan goes to her. That that's what I have in my notes actually. Stan goes to her. Yeah. For, to get information on him, so I think that's what might be happening. Where he's like, "I want to talk to my dead son, but how do I know this guy's real?" But yeah, I think that's what happens because if yeah, not, I didn't, I didn't want to make that up. <laughs> if if not, that's a strange coincidence. They would both be at that place at the same time, yeah, sitting right, sitting right next to each other. But yeah, he um, Stan goes to Ritter to kind of some more information he's like practicing this line in the elevator where he says we can make we, we can make quite a big dent in this town and um he actually does break out that line eventually but um, that's funny when he finally did break it out too yeah because you know he was waiting for the right opportunity to do it yeah but uh what happens is that uh he tells he tells Ritter that um, he was able to know there was a gun in there because of the way she was holding her bag, and then he kind of like connected the dots into like you know um, like you would hold like you're this type of woman, so you would have this type of gun. Yeah, and it somehow just worked out perfectly. I don't know how, but and then he's like. If we work together, like if you give me information on these people, I can pretend to talk to their dead relatives and we can make quite a big dent in this town. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so so they kind of agree to be partners. Yeah, um, they're like splitting profit. But yeah, she's very it, rich already. So I feel like she didn't need it. Well, we find out later. She didn't care about the money. Yeah, um, which I'm not sure why. We'll get there when when we get there, but mm -hmm. I, have, I have questions about that part too. But I'll try to solve it. So, uh, so Stan wants uh, information on Charles Kimball, and uh, she kind of gives him this information that uh, he had a son who died in the war, and um, yeah, but and. I, I guess he died in the trenches in World War One, and uh -huh. and they're on. I think the, the father wanted him to go to war, but the mother didn't. Yeah, and that's why the father's taking it so hard. And this is where we learn, um, because because she kind of hypnotizes Stan to get some information from him as well. Uh huh. He says, now I might have to look it up real quick, but he says his dad went. White ribbon when he was ten. Are you familiar with the with, with with the term white ribbon? I'm not. Well, I'll look it up. And uh, white ribbon meaning uh, that's not that's <laughs> so, so that's not what the, what that means because that's something else. Um. <laughs> Uh, the white ribbon was the symbol of the women's temperance movement. Women would pin a white... That's definitely not what that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not finding it. 
and I don't feel like wasting. Does that mean time. like went clean? No, because oh, oh, okay. Um, women would pin a bow of white ribbon to their clothing to to signify their loyalty to the cause, and would refer to themselves as white ribboners, signing a pledge to abstain from alcohol. Oh, so oh, I guessed correctly. I guess it was like a women thing, but I guess I'm gonna be a medium too now. Yeah, there you go. It says only women, <laughs> only women did it, so I'm not sure why his father was going white ribbon unless it started off as a woman thing and then it it passed to men it, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it passed. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> or he just wanted to play along because he liked the idea. Who knows? <clears throat> but anyway. We would have known in a miniseries, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I just needed this to be like two hours longer, and it would have been a good miniseries. But... There could have been more explanation on like them getting a second geek. If Drive My Car could be four hours, then this movie could have been four hours. Drive My Car is three hours. Potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he, he pretty much confirms to Killing Pete by uh, being being involved, uh, Craig just left the recording, so that's nice. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the wood alcohol came back up in conversation. Yeah, I'm about to drink wood alcohol. <laughs> Craig leaves again. <laughs> so, uh, we find out that Molly invited people from the carnival back to the to where they live in this hotel. Um, I'm not sure what. All but Clem, apparently. Yeah, I'm not sure what Xena wanted, but something to do with picking a tarot card. And like, I guess it's her new act. Like all the tarot cards are bad, and Stan just like turns it around to make it a good tarot card. Kind of like manipulates the situation, which I guess is a signal to what he's become, where he just manipulates people. Yeah. Um. He definitely has the shut eye now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Stan. There's a scene of Stan doing the, his session with Judge Kimball, and it it goes pretty well. Um. Too well, we, actually. We find out. <laughs> yeah. He he really convinced he had, these people. He really had a system about reuniting with. <laughs> I don't think he meant it that way, anyways. But. He told the grieving mother something about the son wanting to reunite with them. Yeah, like he says, "You'll be reunited soon," or something like that. And I'm like, "What would you say that to a grieving parent?" <laughs> uh, and like we said, they um, they kind of uh, like I guess the mother didn't want him to go to war. The father did, and then the father has all these uh, regrets because their son died in the war. Yeah. Um, then he goes to split the money 50-50 with Ritter, but for some reason she doesn't want it. Um, Her yeah, day job has enough success. Yes. But um, Stan informs... That's wrong with too much money, though. So I don't know why she did that. Um, yeah, so I, I guess Kimball knows this guy named Ezra, Ezra Grindle, who um, is a former patient of Ritter's, and uh, he has some demons that he 
needs closure on, so he wants to um, talk to this medium to talk to his dead family members or his dead girlfriend or whatever. And she almost tries to talk him out of it, too. I, I think she's aware of how dangerous it is and like how bad it could go. I'd say she tried to talk him out of it, but already knew he wasn't going to listen to her. Uh-huh. I guess she was trying to cover her own trail. Yeah. Um, By doing that. It, they do say that he's very rich and very private. So, like, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know everything about him and she's worried that it won't work out. Maybe, maybe that's the idea. There's this she... theory on him and her. Do tell. That I, that I saw. Because we find out that she has this scar. Mm-hmm. But she never gives a reason why. She just says life happened. And then we find out later that he has hurt many, many women in the past. Okay. After he... Did he kill Dory, his fiance? Um, they say that he forced he forced her to have an abortion, I think. And, and that killed her. Yeah, so I I, I think but he was... was probably a... like a... I mean, they didn't have the right tools back then. Yeah. Um, when they did shady stuff. Yeah, I think, I think that's what it was, that he forced her to have an abortion and she ended up dying during the abortion. If I had to guess. Because mm. some people are saying that she's one of the women that hurt him. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know how true it was because she was his therapist too, unless she, he doesn't remember her. Because she has all those files on him. Or like maybe they were like he she was his therapist and then they started having relations because we've because we, we see that she's doing that right now too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, th- that's probably right because yeah. When when I rewatched this, I totally forgot she had that scar, and I was wondering where she got it from, and they just never say. Yeah, she just says life happened to her. But um, yeah. But before I forget, she she. I think she was trying to talk him out of out of this because she knows that this information is is exclusive to her. Yeah. So if things go south, like obviously, um, she's going down with him. Yeah, like she she would be the one who told him about this. I think that's the idea. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I do like that theory that you just said that uh, they uh, they had a relationship or something before and. And that's why she's like trying to, or giving him information. Not giving him information, but why she's yeah. helping. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But um, but yeah. So, uh, Stan goes to meet uh, uh, Ezra, and apparently, uh, you can't have jewelry on when you go to see him for some reason. <laughs> like they just like strip him down to like his basic clothes. And they just attach him to a polygraph test against his will. And they just start asking him questions, like, to find out if he's a real medium. Like, they go through the basic questions, like your name and everything, and then they're like, are you a real medium? And he immediately starts failing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he said, and once he starts failing, he he just, like, is like, oh, I'm sensing (laughs) a, a female presence in this room. 
and he even he even has this line where he says um he says something like uh I'm drawing a blank uh oh he 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 says that they um that he Ezra forced his girlfriend to have an abortion and he like exposed him in front of everybody and then they have this thing where it's like he has to be real because how would he know that yeah but, um, yeah he uh got that information from Ritter I'm assuming except um, before or after he stole the tapes uh this is before he stole the tapes because I don't think she gave him any. She didn't give him any more information after that, but yeah. he listened to those. Yeah, because right after this, he goes back to Ritter to get more information. Um, because I guess since like Ezra's mind is blown, so he's like, I need to get more information on this. And he goes to Ritter, and she, uh, yeah, she refuses to give him more information at this point, and. He does this thing where he takes the key and like makes an imprint in a book or something, mm-hmm. so, some form of book, and he's able to make a fake key to sneak into Ritter's office to uh, to get this information. And when I, she was in the bathroom and washing her hands, she heard him <laughs> take the key. Yeah, yeah. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, they're not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's, it's weird because she knows he's doing all the all these shady things that she kind of just lets it happen. Yeah. Keep up the facade of, like, I'm not going to help you. And this is where we get that scene where she shows him the scar, says, life happened, and he just starts kissing her scar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it's a very it's, tragic character. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just unsure why he would kiss the scar. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, so now Stan is free to get all the information from Ezra, and uh, he meets with uh, he meets with Ezra again, and this time it's in um, it's in the garden that Ezra in honor of uh, his girlfriend. Uh, her name's Dory, so it's like, I think they call it Dory's Garden or something. Mm-hmm. And he even pretends to guess her name, because I, th- I think he says like this, this is in honor of uh, of my girlfriend or whatever, and, and he says he says her name's Dory, so he like pretends to, to guess he, the like, name. He likes slowly guess because he says it starts with a D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the garden's yeah. dedicated to the D. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> D garden. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so Ezra's like, this isn't enough. I need to... Uh, I, I, need, I need to materialize Dory. <laughs> yeah, they kept saying materialize her. Yeah, and, and it's like, why would this... Like, why is that your next step? <laughs> And they should know that they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And I I don't know the 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 his plan is to have Molly dress up as Dory and just stage the entire thing because apparently they look very similar. 
Yeah, and Molly does not want to go through with it. Rightfully and, so. And Stan justifies it by saying that a priest does similar things. Yeah, Which, I mean, he's been... I mean, it, it it is true because mm-hmm. there are there are like priests who pretend to cure illnesses and like paralysis and things like that. Yeah. But it's never something you could see. Like, like they won't heal a wound on the outside of your body or anything. Yeah. It'll They're not going to materialize anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, or make Jesus show up. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're, the next scene is like, uh, his name's Anderson. He is uh, Ezra's assistant. And I mean, I think he's an assistant. But he tells... Um, he, he tells yeah, Stan I don't know if he was like an assistant, a bodyguard, or yeah, I don't know. I never really say. He's just there to help him out, I guess. Yeah, so but... he cares deeply for him. Yeah, um, he says that Stan is uh, cheap and phony, and he knows that, um, like, he knows that this whole thing is fake, and he knows that he's uh, kind of just telling him what he wants to hear. And um, I mean, I, I guess he claims that he's uh, he's okay with faking materializing Dory as long as it's um, you know as long as long as it goes smoothly. I guess. Yeah. And Which we already knew it wouldn't. No. And, and when the scene actually happens, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, I know. But I'm like, oh. God. <laughs> this is that this is that other scene I was talking about where uh Stan is like just continuing to do these uh seances with Ezra and then he's like we've been doing this for weeks I've had enough and it's like where was so he's given him a fortune yeah and it's like where was all this like time just jumps ahead again and it it's it, it's confusing cuz there's no like three weeks later or anything it's just time jumping ahead yeah like, this movie could have benefited from chapters too yeah you know how much we love chapters on this podcast <laughs> yeah or even like some dates or something like yeah just put the dates in the corner or something or like, like just march 14th 7 30 p.m <laughs> just like, an small... <laughs> like an establishing shot of the building and just be like Oh, now it's it's November fourteenth, <laughs> and then <laughs> the next scene, it's like, oh, it's uh, December third, and then there you go. Like we, yeah, we I guess the movie from... does take place around Christmas time. Um, I think so because it's definitely the winter season. Yeah, it's uh, on Christmas a night just like tonight. <laughs> but um, yeah, he says something uh, bad is going to happen if he doesn't materialize Dory, and yeah. But um, basically threatening him. Yeah, Molly wanted more time because she needs to perfect the character. Mm-hmm. She was basically, are trying to get out of it, pretty much. Yeah, but they've run out of time. Then there's this very uncomfortable scene where we uh, catch up with uh, Judge Kimball and his wife. Oh yeah, and I forget the line that she says, but it's something like. Uh, like something about their son, like gonna reunite with their son. Yeah, she just shoots her husband in the head. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I hate to laugh, but it's uncomfortable. Um, 
and then she turns the gun on herself and to kill herself so then in the afterlife they'll be reunited with their son like Stan just said that um, <sighs> that their son wants to be reunited with them so um, yeah that was very uncomfortable because Pete it's not even it's not even graphic it's just like I'm uncomfortable <laughs> yeah because even before she shoots herself like I, I think you see her pull the trigger and then it just cuts so you don't see anything no it's just like learning the um like learning the repercussions of Stan's actions is very um uncomfortable mm-hmm. but um yeah so then uh Molly goes to run away and she tries to take a bus out of town she's easily found because she's the only one in, in this bus stop that is not wearing black <laughs> not a bright red yeah uh, terrible at hiding uh, she's easily found um, <laughs> she runs into the men's restroom where Stan can go because he is in fact a man so, <laughs> so yeah once again, she's not doing a good job at hiding. He sweet talks her a lot the whole movie because he always says they'll go on vacation or this is the last thing. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of similar to the way uh, Clem treats the geek, where you kind of just brainwash to kind of like convince yeah. convince them to to do whatever you want. Plus, uh, Stan is also very good at uh, kind of brainwashing people anyway so yeah um yeah so she ends up staying with him and it's like this is the last time we're doing anything and then we're done we'll be rich and she agrees to do the same says, every him. day's christmas after this yeah further proof that this is a christmas film yeah. um <laughs> so adding it to my so, list this december yep so uh, Stan is able to, uh, like, the, they're at the, the scene of the seance in the garden, and he's able to get Anderson away from the seance by saying, like, it's a two-person job or something like that. Yeah, because of what they're about to do tonight, he would prefer if it was just them two. And, and right there, you know, it's like, oh, the less people that see this, the less people there are to, to know that this is fake the better. Yeah, but... Um, well, he already knew it was fake anyways. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so, uh, Anderson's, like, inside of this mansion, and he overhears on the radio that um, the Kimballs were victims of a murder-suicide. And, um... Yeah, it, it's like this... It, it's a seance where... Um, th- like Ezra tells Stan that like I've hurt many women, and like that's kind of where the way the theory comes in that the way they knew. were doing that, it's like if you admit what you did, she'll appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and what? Like, <laughs> he's like he's like I've hurt many women, and like Stan's idea is to get him to do like so he's gonna see his dead girlfriend in the flesh mm-hmm. yeah and and he thinks that his reaction is gonna be to just kneel down and pray yeah that was and the then, plan and then while he's doing that Ollie will be able to escape 
and then it's done. Yeah. But I mean, it's very, very simple on paper. But, but we already I mean, know that Ezra is crazy. I mean, if 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 your dead, uh, like if your dead girlfriend happened to just walk into the room, like I think you would not be thinking logically enough to just listen to what this medium's telling you to do. Yeah. But um. I mean, so, I guess nowadays we're led to think that we can't touch ghosts, so yeah, we wouldn't approach. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so, I would just talk to, but so, so he's con- <laughs> he's confessing to have hurting to have hurt many women, and Molly starts walking into the the garden, and it's very obviously not uh, not Dory, but yeah, he, he kind of falls forward at first, and then he he runs up to to Molly and hugs her, and yeah, that's Molly, what, Molly that's kind what of starts it. like. She kind of starts like freaking out, apologizing because, you know, like obviously she doesn't feel comfortable doing this. Yeah. She apologizes and then he's, he says, like he realizes that it's not Dory. And I think, I think he hits her. Is that what happens? Yeah, he hits her and threatens to destroy both of them. Yeah. And yeah, and then, uh, Stan like snaps and and punches Ezra, and kind of just like eats his face in. He like literally, I think he killed him because he like punched his nose into his skull. Yeah, I mean, I I was gonna say I think he killed him, but <laughs> but um, yeah, there's they never, no way he survived that. <laughs> they, they they never say that he he died, but I mean, like yeah, he was punching his nose into his brain. And yeah, and we they showed that what he looked like after, so there's no way. Mm-hmm. And then Anderson shows up and starts shooting. Um, and Stan... He and, shouldn't have went inside inside. He should have just went far enough to be out of sight, but he should have watched. From a safe distance. No, he's just sitting there listening to the radio, even yeah. though he knows that bad stuff's going on outside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Anderson starts shooting, and then uh, Stan, uh, like, backs up and runs him over, and then uh, runs him over again, like, he drives forward and runs him over. Yeah. And it, it's this cool shot where, uh, like, Anderson's dead body's just on the ground, and his arm is, is like, bent in half, mm-hmm. and it just, like, falls. Did you, did you catch that? Yeah. It's like his arm is like bent upwards, and then it just falls. And it, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's just cool. Um, and then uh, they they go into like an alleyway, and Stan breaks the windows of his car. And I guess it's this big plan that it'll look like somebody stole the car and uh, committed these crimes. I guess. At this point, she's just like completely done with him and has yeah. had enough of it. Yeah. So Molly leaves, and rightfully so. Then uh, Stan goes to uh, Ritter's office again. I'm assuming she went back to the carnival people, maybe? Probably. Because we know she's still in contact with them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that's where she went. Cause... Yeah, she just went back home. Yeah, those are the people she knows. Um, so, 
this was a big uh like i guess confusing part that we uh, that we were texting about the other day is yeah uh, we find out that um Ritter gives him like a cash or a bag full of cash and um stan finds out that the money was uh it's all ones and she's taken like the the big bills for herself i will still take it <laughs> mm-hmm. especially back then yeah um but i wasn't sure why she betrayed him and they don't really say why um yeah i, I i'm not sure so i guess i'm guessing it's just because he played her at the beginning of when they first met. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, he's I, just I like. I guess she just like scorned and wants to put a stop to him after what he's done, and then when after he steals from her, she knows that he's never going to change who he is, and he's worse than the average man. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. It's like. You know, you do this one thing, and then like this is your last time, and then after this, you're you're done, and I'm gonna ruin you. Yeah, that's probably it. He's manipulating her the whole time, saying that oh, he loves her. Yeah, but but meanwhile, she was uh, aware of everything that was happening. Yeah. So, yeah, you're probably right. I think she did means... say something about she loves him, and then after when she turns. Or when he finds out that she's betraying him, she said, did I oversell it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good for her. She was able to play him because he was playing all these people for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and then she shoots him with the same gun that uh, she previously had in her bag that he kind of guessed was there. Yeah, she even made that comment that he should have been able to guess that she still had the gun on her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think during times like this, he probably wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he tries to choke her with the phone cord, and uh, she calls and says, like, um, like she calls for security and says that one of her patients have uh, showed up. She also does this thing where, like, all of the meetings that they have are not documented. Yeah. Because... Like, like the one time he shows up, like it's it's not an appointment because she shows he shows up when they close. Mm-hmm. And it's after her last appointment, so like as far as most of these meetings go, they're like not documented. So he could very well just broke in there and tried to attack her. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she was very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the police end up breaking down the, the door, but he's able to escape. Um, he like runs in an alleyway, and then he runs to like the train tracks, and he hides in a boxcar, and he hides behind the chicken cages, which is uh, symbolic of where mm-hmm. we're heading with the story. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a random flashback of him killing his father, <laughs> which yeah, very oddly placed, but nonetheless, um, I guess we needed the closure to find out if he actually did it. Yeah, I guess. He he tells his dad, like... Um, the way he killed him, though, was terrible. Yeah, he, he says, I've always hated you. 
then he opens the window and pulls the blanket off of him and just like leaves him to freeze to death. Terrible, because he's bedridden and he can't move. Yeah. Yeah, but he sure saved the uh, blanket for himself, though, because he took the blanket and started using it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Stan escapes from hiding behind these chicken cages, and then the, uh, the train starts moving, and you know, we kind of were led to believe that he escaped. Um, we fast forward, and Stan is a uh, homeless and an alcoholic. Um, he's had it all he's like hit every class, social class in the whole movie yeah it it um, it shows how far his characters come because early on he uh, he refused to, to drink because his dad was an alcoholic yeah and now it's like he's just um, he's an alcoholic himself now and he has the bottle with these homeless people and uh, they tell him, like, no more mooching or something. Yeah. He has, to, he has to pay for his drink. And he ends up giving up the watch that he took from his dead father. And that's how he pays for a drink of alcohol. Um, and then he kind of just leaves. Uh, we see him looking through that paper with, uh, we mentioned Xena made it big, so she's in the, the yeah. newspaper. Um, Good for her because he actually played her too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wish they would have said showed like Molly again and Clem and all them. Yeah, and see if he had gotten um, if life hit him too, or if he was just able to still. Like maybe on... Molly, like maybe Molly runs the carnival now instead of Clem or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that would have been. Nice, uh, nice cap on there, but um, yeah. So we see Stan. He's going to a carnival. Um, he's looking for a job, and he's like, "I could be a mentalist," which is pretty much what he's been doing the entire movie. And um, this carnival doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're like, we don't, we don't do that stuff. That's too old time, apparently. Yeah, but um. He it's said, funny, I, that's the only thing that would have been in a current carnival. <laughs> they wouldn't do, like, geeks anymore. They would just do fortune-telling. Yeah, and they wouldn't electrocute people either. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, this this head of the carnival says, I have this... He's like, I actually do have this job for you. It's only temporary. And, um, like, Stan starts crying and like he realized what's coming and he gets pitched on this geek job. And I guess, I guess it's hitting him that like, this is my life now and this is what I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, was born for it. And then the movie ends as he like accepts his life as a geek now. So mm-hmm. he's truly reached the bottom. Um, so an, an interesting uh, piece of trivia that I found um, in the original ending, the line from 1974 or 1947 is I was made for it. And in this one, he says I was born for it. Mm. So um, I'm not sure what that line of like what that single line of diet, like what the like what that's supposed to mean. 
at the end of the changing that line. <laughs> but, but yeah, I thought that was uh, an interesting piece of uh, piece of trivia. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, that was Nightmare Alley, uh, directed by the great Guillermo del Toro. Um, yeah, it's it's a good movie. I liked it. I didn't love it, but it's still pretty good. I think I loved it enough to watch it more. I mean, not, not like all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right, so uh, do you, so instead of doing recommendations this week, we could do our um, Oscar picks. Okay? Yeah. So are we going through every <laughs> category no. or just the main ones? No, we'll do a few of them. Like we'll do best, uh, best picture, best actor, best actress, maybe even animated. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure how many of those I've seen, but yeah. So we'll do this instead of um, our recommendations this week. Okay. Yeah. So we will start with um, best animated film. Okay, so there, right. are, there are five nominations. How many of these did I see? I did not see any of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is Encanto, Luca, Flea. Oh, I saw Luca. The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. All right. So I only so saw we'll, Luca. <laughs> so here's what you could do. You'll do. We'll do like what we think is going to win and what we want to win. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thanks. I think Encanto is going to win. But I mean, I only saw Luca, so I'm just going <laughs> to choose that one by default. Okay. Um, but that one was really good. I do want to see Mentos versus the Machines too and Encanto. So I do plan on watching those too. I saw Encanto last week. It's all right. Um, mm-hmm. I saw Lu- I saw Luca, which is very good, and I saw the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is my favorite out of these. Um, so I do want the Mitchells versus the Machines to win, but I think Flea is going to win just because it's a more um, mature film than the rest of these. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a documentary in an animated style, so I think that is uh, the best Oscar bait out of this category. Mm-hmm. So I, I want the Mitchells versus the Machines to win, but I think Flea is going to win, even though I haven't seen it. <clears throat> uh, we could do cinematography too. Okay, what is? I'm trying to find it. So we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Oh, all good. Now I think. I think I would want Dune to take that one. But I, I, wouldn't so, be, I wouldn't be surprised if it won, too. I would say Dune or Nightmare Alley or maybe West Side Story. West Side Story definitely has to win something. You know what? I, I think I'm going with The Tragedy of Macbeth just because that movie looks like a, a painting on all levels. Like, it's just them showing mm-hmm. off what they could do. <laughs> um, I think that's going to win, and that's what I want to win, is a tragedy of Macbeth. 
Uh, what, what did you say you think was going to win? I would say Nightmare Alley or Dune. I wouldn't be mad either way. I want Dune. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I, Dune's my favorite, one of my favorite movies of last year. I so realized how much I love Dune now that I am able to <laughs> understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just um, a second viewing. Yeah, so, okay, so, best actress, we have uh, Jessica Chastain for The eye, Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Kristen Stewart and Spencer, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Penelope Cruz in uh, Madres. Uh, par- Parallel Mothers is what it is. <laughs> um, I haven't seen any of those movies. I'm gonna go with Kristen Stewart for both. Just no, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't be mad if Kristen Stewart won. I yeah, Jessica Chastain is gonna win just because I've heard a lot of praise from her in that movie. Yes, I think she's gonna win too. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that one either. All right, so now we have Best Actor, which I think uh-huh. everyone everyone should know our picks. But yeah, we have Andrew Garfield. Benedict Cumberbatch, Javier Bardem, Denzel Washington, and Will Smith. And you know we want Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, I have a terrible feeling it's going to be Will Smith. Yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar with the whole awards season, but I've heard that Will Smith is running away with all the best actor wins. And I did this last time. I was paying to the award shows, too, because I really wanted Bradley Cooper to win for A Star is Born. And Rami Malek won everything. Yeah, that was tragic. <laughs> Arguably the worst thing to happen this century. Granted, he was good as Freddie Mercury. He he needed one award, but he didn't need all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've heard Will Smith's been running away with Best Actor wins, so I think he's going to win, but I think Andrew Garfield should win. I'm going to throw in costume design, too. And you'll know why I chose to say this in a moment. We have Dune, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Cyrano, and Cruella. I'm trying to find that category. Hold on. Can you repeat them real quick? Um, Dune, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Cyrano, and Cruella. Okay, so... I have a bad feeling Cruella is going to win. I think Cruella should win. Just because of Emma Stone. <laughs> and the what, her costumes in that movie. Because they were amazing. I'm not familiar with the other two, but I think... I saw four out of five. Dune but I or tra- really should win, I think. Mm-hmm. I saw trailers for Serrano. That's that um, musical from like the 1800s or whatever. Mm. But I would say Cruella or Nightmare Alley or West Side Story. You know, any any one of those five can win. But I'm <laughs> I'm gonna lead with Cruella because it deserves some type of an award. Um, I I don't think Dune is gonna win just because it's like at Suits. face at, at face value, it's just like 
still suits. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be mad if Nightmare Alley won. I think Corella is going to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, that brings us to Best Picture. So we have 10 nominees. We have Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, Drive My Car, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, West Side Story, King Richard, Richard, and, Co- <laughs> and Coda. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do you think? Well, I want Dune. I think I want Dune, West Side Story, or Nightmare Alley. But I think Coda will probably win. Or Don't Look Up might surprise. <laughs> uh, I don't I I don't even want to see the reaction Twitter's gonna have Don't Look Up runs away with Oscar wins. I kinda <laughs> wanna see it just because I know <laughs> people talk about bad about that movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, I want Dune or Licorice Pizza to win. Licorice Pizza is really good too. Which those are my two top favorite films of last year. Speaking of, The Green Knight should have been nominated for Best Cinematography and Best uh, Costume, costume design. design. Yeah. That, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think... Last Night uh, in Soho could have been Cinematography, too, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I think... I'm going with Coda or The Power of the Dog are probably going to win, mm-hmm. which, which I wasn't too fond of, The Power of the Dog. And I uh, haven't seen Coda, but I think that's... From what I've heard, that's the best Oscar bait movie, and I, I mm-hmm. hate to use that term for this movie because I haven't seen it. But um, yeah, Dune and Licorice Pizza are my favorites out of these. But I think Coda or Power of the Dog are going to win. Mm-hmm. Also, I should say I want Ariana. I don't know how to say her last name. Ariana DeBossi. <laughs> okay. Or something. I think she should win Best Actress in a Supporting Role for West Side Story because she was like probably the best part about that movie. She plays like the main girl's sister, and okay. she was like the best part about that movie. Yeah, I still need to see that movie. I'm gonna try to watch it before the Oscars, but we'll she see. like steals every scene she's in, and yeah, she needs to win that. Speaking yeah, of, we we need Dune to win Best Picture. I don't know where the nominations for Judas and the Black Messiah are at because, like, those could have very well been the the best actor and best supporting actor winners. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that's at either. Um, I don't know where Denis Villeneuve's uh, Best Director nomination is at. I didn't get that either. Because hmm. um, Dune is nominated for ten awards. But not best director. So, <laughs> I like how they put "Don't look up" in film editing. Yeah, that's <laughs> range. Yeah, so those are our Oscar picks. Um, we probably won't get much right, but oh, House of Gucci did get one for makeup and hairstyling. I'm very surprised Lady Gaga wasn't nominated again. She was really thirsting for that Oscar nomination this year. Yeah. Kind of feel bad for it because <laughs> of that. <laughs> they invited her to present an award too. So that's like insulting. Yeah. 
I think Bradley Cooper should have been nominated for this movie, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, let's take out Will Smith. No I'm kidding, because <laughs> I didn't see King Richard, so I don't know. I mean, the 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 thing is, like, there's so many like great performances and great movies that come out. It's just hard to narrow it down to five, like the Oscars do, uh-huh. or ten. So it's, I mean, you're telling me with all the movies and all the supporting actors, or all the movies and all the actors and actresses, like how are you narrowing it down to five? Yeah, like someone's gonna get snubbed either way you look at it. Like, no matter what, yeah. So, I know just Dune is in for music, and Just Look Up was not nominated for original song. I hate to see it. I actually thought that would Ariana Grande and Kid Cudi deserve. <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought that would be nominated. You um, know what? Let, let them perform. And let Andrew Garfield perform, too. Yeah. I don't even think he would want to perform, but... <laughs> but yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, Kid Cudi, uh, what is the movie that we are doing next week, Steven? We're going to do the slasher movie X from A24. Yes, directed by Ty West. So, uh... I was waiting for them to do a slasher movie too, because mm-hmm. they always do the um, like the psychological horror and the ghost stuff. Yeah, but I've never seen them put with a slasher movie, so it was it was cool. Yeah, it was we a very doing... good slasher movie too. Yeah, we are doing X next week, so look forward to that. Um. I think we're running out of recording time, so we'll wrap this up real yeah, quick. Yeah, I'm not just on 90%. <laughs> yeah, that was 10 minutes ago, so... <laughs> We've been doing that lately. <laughs> I know. But yeah, anyway. Um, uh, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow us on the social medias. Uh, Instagram is at Santamira After Dark. Twitter is Santamira AD Pod. You can follow our personal accounts through there. And, uh, next week we're doing X. Yep, we're gonna be doing shorter movies for a little while now. <laughs> we, we've earned we've earned that right. <laughs> we'll do it like two short films. Say your line. All right, curfew. <laughs> now in session. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>